The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Our election here in Alberta coming up April 16th, but across Canada we go now to PEI. Constituents there are headed to the polls on April 23rd, just a week after us. And something very interesting is stirring in the water on the East Coast. Dr. Peter McKenna is the professor and chair of the Department of Political Studies at the University of Prince Edward Island. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Kelsey. Would you vote for the party that offered you a free puppy? Uh, That might be illegal. (laughs) Not sure. I guess that's probably considered bribery. You'd have to check your Elections Act there, but yeah. We're you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to try today. to. You're not allowed to try to persuade people to vote a certain way. Ah, that's right. Okay, I'm looking at this, and this is fascinating. You just had the writ drop last week, right? In your province, and Main Street Research has their poll out saying that the Greens, like the Green Party, is ahead with thirty. Six percent of the of support, followed by the Liberals, who are the incumbents, at thirty-two percent, and the Progressive Conservatives at twenty-eight percent. Huh. Is is this history in the making, or does this fluctuation? Is there some favorability for the Greens in in your part of the world? Um, it, potentially, uh, new history, uh, but too early to tell. Uh, as you can see from that poll, uh, it's it's a pretty tight race. But we have seen the Green Party been out in front now over the last two years as being the uh, the voting preference of the majority of Islanders. So there's, you know, a lot's going to depend on how the campaign unfolds. I'm just reading on uh, online here that, that that the Greens have just released their their platform, so they have a number of interesting ideas in there on creating a new uh, basic income guarantee commission and looking at carbon pricing, of course, putting more money into social assistance and housing, which is a which is a real major issue out here. I also notice, interestingly enough, this should rile up your listeners, is that they're thinking about uh, lowering the voting age to 16. So I'm not sure about that, but that's part of the platform. Hey, that conversation comes up whether we're talking federal, provincial, or municipal. Often during our municipal elections here in Edmonton, the conversation about dropping the voter age to 16 comes up. And it's always very uh, divisive deciding whether or not kids at that, I mean, I'm calling them kids, at that age are in a place to do their research, and then they're going to be swayed by their parents or their teachers. But we talk about voter apathy every time this comes around, and and that that may help. What's the, do you you have any of the recent numbers from the last election back in February 2015 about voter turnout? I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Uh, Not not at the tip tip of my fingers, Um, but I know overall in the last federal election, in October of 2015, um, the the voter turnout of youth was very high, uh, the highest we've seen in 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 many many years. Most of that went to the to the federal Liberal Party. Um, so, I mean, there are some indications that, I mean, historically and typically and customarily, we we often say as political scientists that young people don't vote, and that has historically been the case, and that has been borne out in a number of polls that have been conducted, but. 
I think that maybe that's changing and, and younger people are getting more engaged. Maybe that's a function of, of climate change and a depressed job market. Whatever the reason, they do they do seem to be paying more more attention. So I'm not, to be honest with you, a big fan of lowering it to 16. I'm, I'm not sure that they're quite ready or they're engaged properly or have sufficiently thought through the choices and understand the decisions that are in front of them. Um, but I'm, I'm open to I'm open to discussion and debate. I'm scrolling through uh, the Wikipedia page for the premiers of past since the very beginning in PEI. The last two premiers have been liberal. A progressive right. conservative snuck in there in, in from '96 to 2007, and then right. before that, uh, three premiers uh, with the liberal flag. Uh, not seeing any Green Party leaders popping up here <laughs> through history. So if no. if that's the case, does this change everything, or or like? You have to imagine here in Alberta, we're thinking about Green Party leaders at the helm. It just, it wouldn't be feasible. We would never think of it. We don't even, I don't think have, we don't currently have any Green Party representation in our province. Well, uh, I don't know if it's any has any applicability out west. I doubt it. But 15 years ago, we wouldn't have been talking about the Green Party either. Uh, but we are today. And uh, in the recent election in New Brunswick, they picked up three seats. And uh, so there's, they have two seats here in Prince Edward Island. Granted, one of those was won by a by-election. But they've been, they've been at the top of the list in terms of, of public opinion surveys now for, for two years. Peter Bevan Baker, who is the leader of the Green Party here on Prince Edward Island, who is a dentist by trade, is a terrific leader, and he is really connected with the people here. Um, and people have, I mean, when when they're polled on who they would prefer to be premier of this province, he's light years ahead of all of the other candidates. The, the question is, can he trans that, translate that into seats um, in the legislature? And that's, that's the big if. Um, I, this is probably one of the most difficult and challenging provincial elections that I've seen on Prince Edward Island in the last 15 or 20 years. The, the problem for the Liberals, though, is that they, as you said, Kelsey, they, they've been in power now for, for over 10 years. And for, for Premier Wade McLaughlin to be victorious, that would mean it would be a fourth term. And we have yet to see a fourth term in recent memory here on Prince Edward Island. So, you know, the, the, the odds are stacked against him. And I, I, I think the, the chances are slim, and he's, he's, he doesn't poll very well, and people aren't connecting to him. He doesn't do retail politics very well, so well, there is a chance for a, for a change. If, Pardon me? If he's just completed his third term, what's changed? Cause, because clearly he was resonating before. Well, yeah, but, but he's made some policy decisions that have not been very popular, and he's made some decisions that people feel are just too top-down, too dictatorial, um, and that people don't feel like they're being properly consulted. I think the biggest thing, though, and I think this does have, does have implications and coattails in other parts of the country, is that people are really fed up. People are really fed up with the same old, same old. And people want something different, something very different. They're tired of, of politics as it used to be. And I think that's explaining in part why the Green Party is having such traction uh, at the moment. There's just this real appetite 
and desperation for for something different. We'll see how the campaign unfolds. It's it's only the first week, um, and obviously it's a short campaign, which I think which which I think explains the Liberals' fear that there's a problem that they they may very well be in trouble. But as that Main Street poll indicates, it looks like it's a fairly tight race, and therefore the splits could be very important uh, come April twenty third. What are the issues that are, are driving the people of PEI right now? I mean, Alberta's are, are so obvious. We, we want people back to work. We need an influx in our economy. We're looking to pipelines. We're looking for that boost in the oil patch. What's driving PEI right now? What, what are your most desperate needs? Well, one of the interesting things, um, and is curious from a political science standpoint, is the economy here is doing extremely well. Um, and in fact, when you look at sort of projected economic growth rates over the next couple of years, it's potentially PEI could lead the country. So, you know, in that sense, it's not the economy, um, but but it does have to do, it's always issues around leadership and, and trust. Um, and I think, you know, health care is always a, a core issue here in, in Atlantic Canada. I also think that there's a, um, a shortage of, of, of housing. That, that's that's a, another important issue. So, um, you know, pocketbook issues are always employment, jobs. Um, those are always going to be um, central issues, and it's not going to be any... The environment, I mean, we just introduced a, a, a carbon tax here. I, I don't think that's going to be a big issue. One of the things that is important to, to realize, Kelsey, with this election is we're also twinning it with um, a referendum on electoral reform. So we're, we're back at looking at possibly changing the system away from a first-past-the-post system. So that's also an interesting wrinkle, and we'll, and we'll see if people are, are, are interested in, in, in changing the overall system here. I looked through all the pamphlets, and I went through the websites when British Columbia was going through theirs. They held a referendum in tandem with their uh, election as well. Right. And I, I looked through all of it because I wanted to understand what those options were. And these people, <laughs> you, you have this power in your house to just check a box, and you could change everything. Thing. And yes. honestly, none of it made sense. And I, I think I, I follow politics. I understand how, how different routes work, but there were so many different options. And it looked like right. at one point you could have several MLAs representing your region rather than your riding, or you could have an MLA for your riding than someone that would be more of an umbrella region. So that's where first past the post, it just seems easier to digest. Yeah, easier to digest, but it doesn't always work out in the end in terms of matching seat totals with 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 uh, voter participation. That's the the popular vote. That's that's the problem. So what we've ended up here in Prince Edward Island periodically is you get these lopsided legislatures where you have like 25 members of the government and then two opposition members. We've even even had one or two occasions recently where we've had one member. And there's just no serious accountability um, going on there. So I, I think again, there is a there is a desire for for doing politics differently. I don't know how much appetite there is here for electoral reform. The, the, we just went through this. Uh, we had a plebiscite very similar in 2015, I believe. And again, the turnout was only 36 percent, so it was pretty disappointing. Um, and at the end of the day, even though the turnout was small, the majority of people voted in favor of electoral reform. But again, and, and this is one of the issues that's dogging Premier McLaughlin, is 
realized that he nullified the vote, um, and people were very upset about that. So what he's done differently this time is he's asked people either are they willing to accept a, a mixed-member proportional system, which is a which is a hybrid version of first-past-the-post and, and also tacking on a PR component. And he's also twinned it with the election in hopes of boosting up the boosting up the, the, the vote uh, totals and participation. But he's also insisted that 60, 60% of the districts, and there are 27 of them here on Prince Edward Island, have to get more than 50% of the vote. So, so that looks to me like they're trying to stack the deck against, uh, against voting in favor of electoral reform. And my, my sense is that it's probably not going to pass in, in, uh, towards the end of the month. And that's just because people don't get it, or why won't it pass? I don't, well, you know, it, it's I, I Prince. It's it's hard to it's hard to really drill down. Um, I think it's a bunch of reasons. But you know, when 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 the liberals and the progressive conservatives here, which have traditionally been this turnstile of forming government, being turfed out of government, and forming government again. again they like the first-past-the-post system because they benefit from it. So they're not all that enthusiastic about it. So they've been, as I said, they've been stacking the deck against it this time around, and the PC party hasn't said a whimper or a word about it. So I take it from that that they're, 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 they're supporting that position as, as, as well. So it's typically third parties that don't tend to do well in the polls, like the NDP and the Green Party, that are oftentimes out in front and in favor of electoral reform. So... I just think, again, the political culture here in Prince Edward Island is is a bit localized and traditional and conservative, and and I think they're just, you know, there's people who are just wedded to the old way of doing things and have difficulty thinking about anything other than how we've done it in the past, and and that's a strike against, against change. Okay, I hate to stereotype, but PIs always had that small town vibe, and I'm reading a story right now that says there are two PEI candidates with the exact same name <laughs> running in the right. exact same district. A Both, different middle name, though. Yes, Kelsey, Matthew J. McKay yeah. and yeah. Matthew McKay. Right. Uh, and one is from the Green Party, one is of the Conservative Party, the incumbent. Right. And uh, they said that they're just hoping that everyone will be kind in distinguishing them. Is is this something that you just run into? I, and is this a family yeah. name? Are they of relation and going head to head? No relation. No relation. Uh, you know, it happens so occasionally. It's like quirks of the system here. you got to remember, you know, Prince Edward Island, a terrific province. Uh, and I, I love the place. And especially the summers, which are, which are fabulous. And, you know, but it's a small province. There's only 155,000 people here. So you break that down into 27 districts, and oftentimes you've got a district of four or 5,000 people. So most members of the legislature know just about everybody that votes in the, in the district, and in many cases know who they vote for. So it's a very, very personalized uh, political system here. There's a lot of deep connections. And I, I think... That's one of the reasons why Islanders have have typically supported the first-past-the-post system is they like that idea that they personally vote for their own member and then they have this relationship and then they can pick up the phone or go see their member, or go to their constituency office, whatever the case may be. So they like that intimacy. Really appreciate your time. Anytime. Hey, this was great. We'll follow up if you uh, end up having a green party at the helm and PEI uh, come April 23rd. You never 23rd. know.
Okay, we'll talk then. That's Dr. Peter McKenna. He is a political scientist at the University of Prince Edward Island. The Greens ahead with 36% support, followed by the Liberals at 32%. That's a Main Street research poll that came out just last week. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.